0: Hey, everyone, and welcome back to the latest edition of Let's Do Influencing. Really excited today to talk about influencing on the show from a perspective of whether or not there is any kind of gender inequality in relation to uh, the influence that we can have in the world. And, uh, and, you know, I think it at least raises the discussion as to... Uh, what may exist, and uh, of course, you know, around the idea that really, at the end of the day, everybody should have the ability to have equal influence, and nobody should be sort of... um I'm going to say push down in terms of their level of influence. Uh, so on today's show, we actually talk with Naomi McDougal Jones, and we chat with Naomi in relation to her recent TED talk, where she talks about what it's like to be a woman in Hollywood. And of course, this is very timely because we're hearing about all of the stuff going on in Hollywood recently, and uh, and you know examples perhaps of where people's influence has been sort of pushed down, and others have uh, done that maybe to maintain their own influence. So I think, you know, I'm not going to go into all the, the details on the show or in general uh, about, you know, what does and doesn't happen because I think that, you know, that's a great discussion for us to have uh, around the episode. Uh, but uh, obviously, at the end of the day, I think it's it's important as well to focus on solutions and, and share what is going on. And so uh, I hope you enjoy this episode and this conversation with Naomi. And uh, I think it'll get you thinking about that in terms of what your influence can can be, and, you know, is there any quality in relation to influence? Also thinking about the fact that, again, everybody should be able to have an equal amount of influence and start from the same place. Uh, So I hope you enjoy this conversation. It gets you thinking, and uh, feel free, of course, to reach out to us if you have any questions that you'd like us to answer on an upcoming edition of the show, if you have a topic you want us to tackle. Also, feel free to visit com. And as of this recording, you can get, uh, go there and actually grab a free copy of our previous Enlightened book. So you can get a brand new uh, free digital copy of a book uh, called Enlightened if you head over to letsdoinfluencing.com. And if you scroll down to the bottom of the page as well, you'll find the email address uh, for where you can send in those questions or those topic areas you'd like us to chat about. Until then, I'm Corey Poirier and this is Let's Do Influencing.
1: Uh, so, Naomi McDougall-Jones, really excited to have you here today, and I think where I'd like to start, perhaps, is to get you to tell us a little bit about your backstory and or your journey for our listeners who may actually be discovering you for the very first time.
2: Sure. Thanks so much for having me. Um, so, uh, let's see. I'll, I'll try to give you the short version here. Um, so, I, I'm a filmmaker, I'm a writer, actress, producer, and then also women in film activist and advocate. Um, so I got into the show business from a very, very early age, um, doing ballet and then musical theater and then Shakespeare and other theater and developed the ardent, fervent dream of being an actress and went to school and trained as an actress and got out in the real world. And, and I'd been raised by a raging feminist mother to just sort of expect that the world would be equitable and fair and that I would never, like it just honestly never occurred to me that at this point in time I would ever run into any, any bias because of being a woman. Um, And then got out into the the real world after school and, you know, was pounding the pavement as an actress and and ran sort of headfirst into the reality that, oh wait, (laughs) sexism is actually still very real and alive and thriving. Um, And so uh quickly realized that I was the wrong kind of woman to be an actress in uh sure. sort of male world of male writers and directors um, as my agent once said i'm too I was too smart for the roles that were being written for women my age and not quite hot enough to be um the the beautiful leading lady uh, so which became frustrating, not only from the perspective of obviously like wanting roles, but also beginning to realize that, that the women in my own life who were so complex and dynamic and powerful and smart and interesting, uh, just weren't being represented in the characters that I was auditioning for or was seeing in content. So I, so I started writing plays, um, partly to have more interesting characters to play. And also because I felt like there were stories that weren't being told Um, and then eventually ended up getting more excited about film and TV Uh, and so I I wrote and acted and produced a first feature film and then uh, a second feature film more recently and through this whole process um, started just talking about women in film specifically because as I then started the journey of making films with other women we ran into the issue of, oh, wait, people think that films by women don't matter or that nobody wants to see them or they're boring or that women don't know how to make movies. Um, I literally had a male producer say to me, well, you do know that you're going to have to get a male producer on your team just so the people will trust you with their money. Um, And I just couldn't believe yet again (laughs) that I was running into this issue and you know it was twenty thirteen or twenty fourteen at that point. Um and so I started talking about it and sort of ended up on this this becoming a, a speaker and then an advocate and uh I'm in the process of forming now um a venture capital fund that will only finance films by women. So my career has taken sort of a an octopus approach. I thought I was gonna be an actress and suddenly here I am doing a great deal more than that.
1: <laughs> well, and, and I I love it because that's how I discovered you was actually from your your TED Talk about this whole subject, and it, yeah. it opened my eyes in a lot of ways as somebody, you know, and I, this is sort of related, but perhaps not related to the film industry, but I was raised by a single mother, and so mm-hmm. I constantly believe that um, from watching my mother's example that everybody should be equal and that my mother could basically accomplish anything she wanted to. So much like as you mentioned yourself and I went into, into the world and I was sort of enlightened myself as well. Um, but something yeah. that you mentioned on the, on your TED talk, which I didn't know, I mean, I guess I, I I'll say it this way. I knew it probably internally, but I didn't really consciously think of it is the um, amount of, and I, I say this, I mean, the lack of females that are in directing roles and producing roles, and at the same yeah. time, the fact that uh, movies made by women, if I remember correctly, uh, you had mentioned make actually quite a bit more money. Is that, am I accurate on this thing? Yes.
2: Yeah. So just to clarify, so the, the first point, um, if you've watched mostly American films in your lifetime, it's safe to say that only 5% of them have been directed by women, which I think is fairly shocking when you think about the fact that we're 51% <laughs> of the population. Uh, and that number has not improved over time. It is still between 5 and 7%. Even now, even after all of this outcry, even after all of this conversation, um, Paramount and Fox uh, released their slaves recently. And through 2018, they have not a single female director directing any of their studio films, which is shameful. Um, and yes, yeah, to your second point, uh, that's also bad business because uh, with this, Funds that I'm certainly commissioned a study looking at um, all significant films made between 2011 and 2015 and the average ROI uh, on the film, the so return on investment, um, is, is higher if – or was higher during that period if either the director or the writer or the producer or the lead actor was a woman.
1: Wow. <laughs> so right there, I, wow. And, I mean, just because – I guess we can say we know something or something's proven doesn't mean people actually listen to it as much as they should. No, but
2: no. And, 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 just, and just to, to reinforce that, like what I was told because, so what my first film Imagine I'm Beautiful as I was, is a, is a film about two women and it had an entirely female creative team, sort of by accident. We weren't like trying to make a point or anything. Um, <clears throat> And the thing we got told over and over and over again is nobody wants to see films by women. It's not profitable. You have to get like you should make a story about men or put more blood in it or something. And it's just not true. But it's taken as but there's this idea that's that's totally accepted as conventional wisdom that uh, that nobody wants to see films by women or about women.
1: And so I guess my my first sort of follow-up question to that then is that uh, in terms of, and I know this is a big question. I mean, I could probably ease my way into this question, but I'll, I'll ask it and, and sort of work our way the other way, backwards. But what do you think has to, to change for this to ever change? Because we're seeing, and, and if I can say that, I mean, from what I see, it seems like in certain fields, women are finally sort of getting, for lack of a better way of saying it, they're due. And I, I say that, I mean, if you think about the, sports world like mixed martial arts and hockey and even pro wrestling uh we're starting to see women either dominate or or do well and so i guess the question is what do you think it's going to take for that to happen in the business side of hollywood
2: well i have a couple of answers to that question obviously because i don't think it's a simple solution and you're right and i and i have to point out that the film industry is one of the worst industries um, at all for the for this lack of progress. Most other fields have made at least some advances in gender parity over the last 20 to 30 years, and film has made almost none, which is really shocking and troubling when you think about the fact that we are the Hollywood is the biggest cultural exporter, um, both domestically and abroad. Uh, you know, film consumption and TV consumption is at an all-time high. Um, you know, stories are the ways that we process the world. It's the, you know, from the, the time that we're children, they're how we learn about our own identities and other people's identities. So it's, it's an enormous problem that goes way beyond my ability to get a job or not get a job. Um, I think that actually what's happening right now um in terms of the Weinstein stuff and everything that's happened after that, uh, maybe the thing that speeds this up considerably. I actually feel way more hopeful about real and lasting change today than I did two months ago. Um, in my TED Talk, I outline a four-point plan for uh, the, the revolution, as I call it, because I think. The bottom line is that we've spent a lot of time yelling at the people in charge and saying, this isn't fair. It's not right. It's damaging our culture. It's, um, you know, it's, it's bad for equality. And the bottom line is they don't really care because they, and they don't even really care about the business argument because they are people who are heavily invested in maintaining the power and the money and the status that come with, keeping the positions that they have and keeping the system the way it is. Um, So any major cultural shift or civil rights movement hasn't happened because you yell loud enough at the people in charge because they don't want things to change. Things are working well for them as they exist. Um, They happen through revolutions and through grassroots movements. So, um, so what I advocate for is that we as consumers audience members of film and also as make, as female filmmakers and male allies of female filmmakers, we have to be the change. Um, so, uh, so I think it's going to take a grassroots effort on the part of us. I think part of it is um, bringing audiences awareness to this issue because a lot of people outside of the film industry don't even know that this is an issue. As, as you said yourself, like, Oftentimes when people hear my TED Talk, that's the first time this has ever occurred to them because it's sort of like it's like a fish being in water. It's just what we're used to. We've never known anything else, so we don't notice uh, the the lack of female voices in the stories we're consuming. Um, so I think a big part of it is bringing audience awareness to this and then asking them to consciously vote with their dollars and support and, and watch films by women, which is uh, a fun revolution is you just have to watch movies. <laughs> um, and then uh, the second point is that um, female filmmakers need to, is to make their movies and they need to find any way of doing that. And I think part of the problem is also that we have been censoring ourselves. We've been buying into the idea that, that these ideas that we've been told that our stories don't matter, um, that we need to wait for permission. And I think we need to stop waiting for permission and we need to just uh, charge the castle and however we can by whatever means necessary we have to make our movies because um, until we can offer audiences alternative content they're also not really going
1: to understand what we're talking about um no and and that and that makes sense and i'll I'll say one of the things that um i found troubling and i mean I, i say this you know it's not of course my place to make um make, you know, decisions in relation to what's going on in Hollywood. And, of course, everybody, I think, or most people are saddened by a lot of the revelations. But, um, of course, people in Hollywood, you know, maybe they're not as surprised, but either way, it's sad what's been happening. But one of the things I heard which kind of concerns me as well, and this is just me, you know, talking about something I saw in passing uh, in a news article, sure. was that the fear was now that, let's say, the, the, the industry, part of the industry that they dominated by a male producer or what have you will be now fearful of bringing uh, a female actress onto the set in case it's it, it yeah. I don't know if you've heard that, but that that's the part, only part that concerns me about- Yeah,
2: I, I definitely have heard that. And I, I do hear that fear because I think um, that is a, a possible outcome. I, I feel more hopeful than that in that I think the ground has really fundamentally shifted, been shifted by the way, by this in a way that I am frankly surprised by. Cause uh-huh. you're right. Like we, we knew this, like this is when, when I got that Weinstein notification on my phone, that, that that first story was coming out, I was like, uh-huh. And I shrugged and I, <laughs> I, I thought like, well, that's going to be such a non-story. Cause like, obviously the guys at Bergpag, like we all know this. Um, but, it hasn't. I mean, obviously, it was not a non-story, and I think I. I just think there's this sort of cosmic and historical like mo- aligning of factors. I think the fact that Trump isn't we have a sex offender as president, um, has, and then followed by this Weinstein stuff. I just think like there is a new level of rage in women, and just sort of like, like we're done. Like no, we're not. Living this way anymore, and and like yes, there needs you like you men have to reckon with with the way we've been living and and what you've been part of, and obviously not all men, but I think even even a lot of men in my life who I consider to be very good men, who I consider to be allies of women, are are waking up to this for for really the first time, um, and like understanding what we have lived with on a daily basis in terms of fear for our bodies and fear for our jobs and, and, you know, sort of like these constant hurdles that we've, that we've have to deal with. Um, so I, I'm hopeful that there's a reckoning happening that, that the men can't just retreat back into their corners and say, well, we're, you know, well, then we just won't hire any women. But I also think we as women and and male allies of women need to push, need to take this moment and push hard, um, and demand real and lasting change because I I think we this is our moment and we have to make it matter.
1: Yeah, and and it's interesting when my girlfriend and I were having a conversation about this, she made the comment as well, which I, I certainly agree with. She said, you know, regardless of and it's just her talking a lot, but regardless of what happens now, meaning in the present, she said, you know, I think that it's it's happening either way, meaning what she was saying is The next generation, like her opinion is, the next generation, even on the male side, uh, feels differently about women, and treats women differently. And she said, even if this is, you know, if it takes five years, it seems like it's going to change because there's going to be a point where both the females don't accept it anymore and then also the males that are also in the industry, everybody will be in alignment. So she felt this was boiling, and now it's reached a point where, Even if it doesn't, we don't see it in a week or two because there's still obviously probably more men in charge. Uh, Yeah, sure. It's she feels it it started to change basically. I
2: I agree I agree with her and and I I mean I've always been hopeful. You know I gave this TED talk actually originally a year ago, um, but it it has gained a lot of attention in the wake of this Weinstein stuff and you know if if fifteen thousand people watched it in the first year. Um, over 700,000 people have watched it in the last three weeks, which is pretty striking. Um, and so, so like that to me is also an indicator. And, and, uh, in the wake of that TED talk going viral now, um, you know, I've, I've received thousands of emails from people saying, uh, okay, like we're ready. Like, what do we do? Um, w- like offering legal help, you know, people outside of the industry and men and women in equal numbers saying, okay, I, I don't know anything about the film industry, but I have legal services that I can offer. I have programming services that I can offer. I can write a check. Where do I write a check? Um, and, and I think like that, that has never happened before in the four years that I've been talking very publicly about this. So that to me is also indicative of the fact that like this is happening because um, pe- people are just ready to, to, to finally do the work that it's going to take to change this.
1: Well and, and you know it, 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 it's interesting you mentioned at the start in terms of your sort of background or bio. you didn't anticipate where this was taking you, but it, it seems like it almost everything had to happen the way it happened uh, for you, Naomi to actually take this you know take this on and, and want to be an advocate for this because if you wouldn't have went through the film industry thinking, you know, I want to be an actress and that's the ultimate goal, then all this other stuff wouldn't have probably happened or shown itself to you.
2: Absolutely, and I, um, I feel, I feel so grateful that the things have taken the path they have taken, um, both in terms of of the advocacy work, which feels so important and so exciting, but also you know, being forced out of the actor's role and into the role of a creator and a writer and a producer um, because it is a richer, it is a richer career. And it, and it, and it, it it made, it forced me to find my voice as a, as a, as a storyteller and also as a, as a, as an advocate and a speaker. And, and that has that's such a gift, you know, like it, in a weird way, the fact that the industry was unavailable to me in the way that I thought I wanted it. Um, has proven to be the great gift of my life, and I and I always say that to to you know college students when I get asked to speak to them because you know when you're in college you think you know exactly what your life should be, and I just think that you know if you're if you're open to to what's actually in front of you and and are willing to be dynamic and in, in how you think about what you want and what you have to offer the world. That um, it often leads you in really, in, in really better places than you
1: actually could have imagined. So Naomi, I have that one other quick question on this line before we wind down and, and start asking sort of some of the key questions we like to ask everybody we bring on the show. Um, with your permission, I'll call if it could we be continue because I know we've even hardly, you know, we barely scratched the surface. Um, you know, we're not yep. longer than your, your your TED talk here, and, and you covered a lot <laughs> <in the laughs> TED talk alone. Yeah, um, yeah. but. One of the things I want to ask you about, and this is just, again, another from the outside looking in, uh, as somebody who, uh, you know, I'm on the writer's side, and I perform stand-up comedy, play music. I've made some short films, but I'm not immersed in the industry in any respect whatsoever. And But here's something that it seems like, and I hear a lot of other people say it as viewers, it seems like right now in the film industry, uh, the best way I can say it is there's a lack of creativity. And when I say that, what I mean is it seems like right now Hollywood is, is in this mode of let's just remake old movies yep. over and over again because it's easy. And at the same yep. time, as we just said, Hollywood is still for large part being controlled by uh, male writers, male producers, what have you. Do you think that um, another thing that may be the perfect quote unquote storm for this change to happen is the fact that Hollywood seems to be, and I, I don't know a better way to say this. I mean, maybe I'm not saying it correctly, but seems to be running out of ideas and maybe a, a female perspective could bring a lot of new, freshness
2: into hollywood right now totally i mean i think you're right on so many levels for one thing hollywood is turning itself into a dinosaur it's either turning itself into a dinosaur or a theme park and i actually think it's more like a theme park like they just right It's it's they've turned into corporations the people running them for the most part are business people business men Uh, They are not artists and they don't. And, you know, film has always been the the intersection between commerce and art. So I'm not advocating for, I'm not saying, you know, we can stick our head in the sands and just make art because obviously it's a lot of money at stake. It's hugely, you know, you have to take into account um, you have to make stuff that people actually want to see. Right. Uh, But they are not making stuff that people want to see anymore. And, you're right. I mean it's, and it's not that they've run out of ideas, it's just it's a whole global economic shift of of the film industry that is will take more time to get into than it's really interesting to your <laughs> listeners. But um, but suffice to say, yeah, they're 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 destroying themselves from within, which is actually really good news for us because again, now all we have to do is get our act together to, to offer audiences an alternative which we can do through the internet because we don't actually need the gatekeepers in the way that we used to. But also like to your other point, think about the fact that in this moment where it feels like every story has been told and retold and remade. And like we just, right. It feels like Hollywood has run out of ideas. There is an entire world of women's stories that have literally never been told on screen before, (laughs) like in any iteration. And, like, I feel so excited about that. I think that there's a female cinematic voice that we do not – like, we have never had the opportunity to discover. And I don't mean – I mean, like, on a big scale. Like, like if you think about that time where, like, Scorsese and Spielberg and Francis Ford Coppola were, like, running around together being bros and, like, making their movies and watching cuts of each other's movies and, like, making each other better – we as women have never had anything like that. Like there has never been a time when a large number or even like a modest number of female filmmakers have been making films at the same time and like challenging each other's ideas and pushing each other to be better. And like, I just think there's a whole new world there to be explored and found and discovered. And like, Things that we never even imagined could be stories, and I feel so excited about the fact that we might be on the verge of that, and that I might get to participate in that.
1: Awesome stuff. Well, um, I'm, it seems like I mean, there's never been, like you said, another time where it seemed more like that's going to happen. So uh, I'm, I'm optimistic, like you are, that we're going in that direction and quickly. So we'll, uh, I guess we'll, we'll cross our fingers and we'll, we'll uh, pray that that's what's happening. It seems to be. So and, I, and 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 work and hard for it.
2: I mean I think I think that's the thing is like we can't just sit back and hope for it. I think we have to we have to make it happen.
1: For sure. Yeah, the 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 second part I just added on there was take action. And also take yeah.
2: action. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There we go.
1: So I guess then my uh you know, I mentioned I had a couple of questions before we let you run off. Uh one of them really quickly is about passion. Our show is called Conversations with Passion. That word uh, I have to say, Naomi, that word I've been finding in the last year when I've been asking this question, people have kind of had a little bit of pushback against the word passion. Not everybody, but some people are now saying they hear the word too often and, and, you know, they're tired Mm -hmm. of hearing about passion. But what I'll say is, whichever camp you're in, I'll ask it this way and say, whether we talk about passion or we use the word purpose or your why or your calling or whatever it is, uh, whatever way you define it, my question is, do you think it's important to uncover that uh, in your life? And if so, why? Um, Absolutely.
2: I think it's important. And I, I love the word passion. I don't, I'm not, I'm in that camp. Um, Yeah. I mean, I just think like, what are we doing here in our lives? You know, like, I mean, uh, I'll take this in a, I'll, I'll answer in a philosophical way, which is that, you know, like, I, I'm not a religious person. I don't believe in God. I don't believe in an afterlife um and maybe you do or maybe your listeners do but but you nobody knows right like maybe maybe we get reincarnated maybe there's some afterlife but we don't know and and consciousness is like this incredibly bizarre thing whether it's whether it's by some god's design or whether it's as i believe sort of like the extremely unlikely result of an extremely likely unlikely series of accidents throughout history. Um, Here, here we are, like you have been given this time and you don't know how much time you've been given and you don't know when it will end, but all you know is that you have it and you have it now. And like, and what a, and what an unbelievable gift that is to, to be conscious, to have a body of whatever variety you have to be, to, and, and whatever circumstances you're in, which are not equal and are not fair, but you but you have this time, and I think what you choose to do with that time is everything. And um, if you're not living a life of passion, if you're not living a life of purpose, and whatever that means to you, then like, what are you doing with that time? Are, like, are you, to just run down the clock until it's over? Uh, seems to me to be a squandering of the gift that you have been given.
1: And so my very last official question then, and then I'll just ask you how we can learn more, but my very last official question is, if you were sitting across from a younger version of yourself, and you can pick the timeline based on where you were at that point or why you'd want to go back and visit that younger self, um, and you could give her a piece of life advice based on what you've learned in the years since, what do you think you might tell that younger version of yourself?
2: I think I would just tell her to... To trust herself more and to relax that that it that it will be okay that all of even her biggest dreams will come true and um, to not to not doubt her own ideas so much or be so anxious all the time about not being enough and to, to just relax. <laughs> I love that. And,
1: and you know what? I will say <laughs> that the question, the answers we get always vary, uh, but we've definitely yes. had different versions of that answer because I think a lot yes. of people are in a hurry and yeah. just want to make big things happen quickly. And then if they had that, that benefit of seeing, you know, years later that the, this process needed to happen, and as we said about you, that journey you took needed to happen for you to become the version exactly. you are today. Um, if we knew that earlier, maybe we wouldn't be so tense and stressed all the time. Yeah. So I Although I impatience
2: love is but also, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty and impatience has made a lot of amazing and big and beautiful things happen in the world. So on the other hand, you know, the journey is the journey.
1: Absolutely. So Naomi, I promise the last question was uh the basically the unofficial one of just simply how can we learn more? Uh so for somebody that's been listening to this and says, you know, they want to learn more, I mean part of that is watching your, your great TEDx talk because they'll learn a lot more about the industry just from that talk, because I know we covered just yeah. service. service. Um, so where would you send them? Would you send them to your website and then go to the TED Talk? Would you send them to the main TEDx website? Or where would you send them if they want to connect with you or learn more? Sure.
2: Well, um, my website is probably a great place because that links to everything else. Uh, so my website is NaomiMcDougalJones.com. From there you can find my TED Talk. Um, you can also find my first film, Imagine I'm Beautiful which is available on iTunes and Amazon and Google play and wherever digital movies are found. Um, And also information about my next film bite me, which is coming out in 2018. Um, And you can also find my podcast. If you're my podcast, (laughs) if you're interested in doing an even deeper dive on sort of some of the stuff we've been talking about, which is called fearful list um, and is available on iTunes and Google
1: play. Also. Awesome stuff. Well, Naomi, this has been an absolute pleasure. Uh, like I said, with your yeah. permission, I'll call it a to be Continued, because I know we've barely scratched the surface, and this is a hot I would area love that. where, okay, perfect, well, and it's an area where this is going to evolve, I think, quickly, and there's going to be a lot of things happen quickly, so I think yeah. uh, you know, even just between when we were airing this interview, and whenever I reach out and see if we can schedule another one, there'll be already probably lots to talk about that's already occurred, so um, I, I think it's for so. to bring you back on.
2: I would love that, and thank you so much for having me the first time.
1: Awesome. Thank you so much, Naomi. And uh, we'll wave the flag wherever we can and get the word out wherever we can. And uh, until next time, thank you ever so much and have an amazing rest of your week.
0: Well, there it is, everyone. The latest edition of Let's Do Influencing, where we had a visit from Naomi McDougall-Jones. Big takeaway for me from this very episode was about the fact that we can all have a major voice if we find the right platform. And so Naomi, at this point, found the platform uh, in... The, uh, in a TED Talk, and uh, as noted, uh, her TED Talk has really been picking up a lot of steam, a lot to do with the fact that uh, there's, you know, the Me Too movement that's been going on, a lot of discussion around Hollywood, it's, it's kind of timely for her talk to have come out, and uh, last I looked on the TED.com website, I believe it was over 1 million views, and that's a, a pretty big TED Talk, so uh, congrats to Naomi, but also for us as influencers, it's just another uh, validation that if we find the right platform, we can have a big voice. So that was my takeaway. So your takeaway, hopefully, is figuring out what the right platform is for you and figuring out how you too can have that big voice. In the interim, I mentioned earlier in the show that you can grab a free copy of our enlightened book right now at letsdoinfluencing.com. And if you have any questions or topics you want us to talk about in the future, uh, you can scroll down to the bottom of that page and you'll find the email address there where you can reach out to us. Thanks, everyone. Have an amazing day.